0: Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas.
1: And I am Pam Marvin.
0: And we are glad to have you back with us for this episode. And it's kind of interesting. We just on the fly decided to do this episode in a little different way than we normally do. So usually, Pam, the, you know, our whole goal is to have this be kind of a conversation that's, you know, just sort of a free-flowing um, exchange between the two right. of us. Um, but the topic that we're going to be discussing today is something that's been on your heart, because right. it's something that's going on sort of in your life right now. And so you you kind of offhandedly made the joke, so this is going to be kind of spiritual direction for me, uh, this conversation. And so I said, well, do you want to do it like that? Because the reality is, is that Um, The relationship of spiritual direction and the the manner in which you have a conversation is much different than what we do here as spiritual friends. And so... We decided that it would be kind of an interesting way to do this episode, so it would have a double um, thing. It would just kind of change things up in a way and have a little bit of a unique dynamic. But it also give some of you who haven't experienced spiritual direction a little insight into what that looks like, what that sounds like. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Pam is so brave and so beautifully (laughs) open and willing to be vulnerable that she said, all right, let's do it. So that's how we're going to be functioning in this, uh, episode where I'm going to be in the position, um, as the director and I'm going to be responding to Pam in that mode. And so, uh, Hopefully, you'll see that it's a a lot different uh, dynamic than than what you normally a are different going to be kind of conversation.
1: Here. And another thing I like about this idea, Megan, before we keep going forward, is that the questions that you will ask me, I try to recreate in different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Like, what would Megan say to me in these situations? <laughs> you know. So right. I, I'm hoping as you're modeling this, that that's also going to trigger in people when they're in in situations where they're desiring spiritual guidance. It's like you know. What would a spiritual director say to me to make me ponder or go deeper in this instance? So let's get
0: going. Okay. So um, in spiritual direction, what I would always do is start with prayer. So let's do that. Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, you have brought us here today. You preordained this moment before Pam and I ever decided to have this conversation in the manner that we're going to have it, it was on your heart and in your mind. So we know that you have good things prepared. So we submit ourselves fully to it. We ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us. That as we walk walk on this path, trying to seek you more closely, to know you more fully, that we'd be very attentive To the inspirations of the Holy Spirit, to listen to His voice, to be guided by it, to maintain a total posture of trust and receptivity. We know that you have good things planned for this time, so we thank you for those good things. And, dear Jesus, we thank you for being our Savior. And we thank you for giving us such the great gift of your mother. So we pray her intercession during this conversation. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
0: Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so what's on your heart, Pam?
1: Primarily... My mother-in-law, who's been very ill um, with COPD, is moving back into our home because it's getting pretty critical. She's pretty ill, and she responds best to my husband. Okay. Um, not She's been living with her daughter for quite some time now, and it's not working very well. It's just not working, mm-hmm. um, mostly because of the progression of the illness and and just the irritability of my mother-in-law that she's experiencing in her infirmity. So my main thing is I'm prone to (laughs) overgive. I'm prone to deplete myself completely in, in hopes of, you know, there's that, pleasing Christ and pleasing others, you know, and sometimes there's a battle between, am I trying to please Christ? Am I trying to please others? I'm not Mm -hmm. really sure. Where's that point? So I want to really set some boundaries for myself that I think are healthy. Um, Supporting my husband as he becomes the primary caregiver and then knowing where my boundaries are with him and with her and how to protect my adult children living in the home as well from any really negative kind of possibilities.
0: Mm -hmm. So it sounds like as you enter into this place where your mother-in-law is going to be coming to live with you, there's definitely a concern that if you don't establish things very clearly from the outset, that you could find yourself in a place where you feel like you're becoming depleted. And so... I know that you have had her live with you in the past. Can you talk about how that experience went and some of the things that as you have the memories of that come up, what that's sort of bringing up in your own heart? Right. I The
1: primary thing is that I can look back in retrospect and say I didn't have appropriate boundaries. What does that mean? One of the things that happened was... And this is this is this is actually no moral judgment on anybody, but she's a big talker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how someone can talk so much, <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. She's an elderly, she's lonely, and she talks a lot. And I felt a sense of obligation to sit and listen to her talk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like that was my duty. Right. And in retrospect. If I had set better boundaries, I would have had, you know, maybe phrases I could have said like, you know, I love sitting and visiting with you. But right now I've really got to clean the kitchen. Um, Right now I really need some alone time. Like Mm -hmm. I felt too selfish to say I need alone time or just to say I don't really want to be around you right Right. now, which was the case. You know, Uh you just needed your space. You know, I find you kind of need your space and Mm -hmm. to kind of recollect yourself. And I, I didn't do that very well.
0: So you said that it made you feel, you felt selfish if you were going to say that. Could you talk a little bit yeah. about why you would feel selfish?
1: Because it was about me and not about her. Like if I'm mm-hmm. being totally dying to self, why wouldn't I? Is that what Christ was calling me to, just to listen mm-hmm. to an elderly old woman? That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. sounds like a holy notion. It's just to sit and listen there's nothing wrong with that, but after a certain amount of time, and, and at first it's fine, but the longer it goes on, you're more like, I, I need to be more productive with my time, you know? Which are also holy things, right? Yeah. yeah. But felt they were selfish. And again, this goes back, Megan, it goes back so much to my root sin of like vanity of wanting mm-hmm. to please her. Make her happy. I'm really, I really am a people pleaser, even even though I'm acutely aware of it and really trying to do it as a sense of, you know, like peacekeeping and and having people be feeling loved mm-hmm. and cherished. And so that's a big part of it, wanting her to feel loved.
0: Right. How would you feel if you felt somebody wasn't pleased with you,
1: or that These they days, weren't feeling loved by you? The only time that really hurts is my youngest child. That really gets me. I'm thinking what can I do to help her feel loved? That's the only person that that seems to trigger me these days if so, they don't feel loved by me. So if she doesn't feel loved by me, she's not even thinking about that. She's just busy talking.
0: So in that experience of questioning, whether you can move on from her talking and, and still, you know, I want to respect her. her. So you're concerned that she would feel disrespected, but you're just, just said that she wouldn't even notice. She wouldn't even care. Like, so how do you hold those two things at the same time? Mm, That's a very good question.
1: Because if I was in her shoes, that's how I would feel.
0: Ah, okay. Talk a little more about that. Have you had experiences where you felt that? Yes. I wouldn't say it's such a serious situation, but
1: in conversations with um, friends, sometimes good friends even, and workmates that, and this is the human nature, they're more interested in what they want to be saying than Mm -hmm. to listen. Right. And I've, I've been trying to be a very good listener as well, but when I get cut off so they can talk about themselves, I feel very unimportant and unworthy, which is really one of my triggers is feeling mm. unimportant and unworthy.
0: So it sounds like because you've had such a painful experience of having that happen in your own life, the idea that you would inflict that on somebody yeah. else is very painful to you.
1: Right. And that is, boy, that's my MO mm-hmm. with the way I treat people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. because of my personal pain I've experienced and I'm super sensitive person. And I got to rem- remember mm-hmm. this is you're just a sensitive person and you know, I want to be bigger than that and say, so just get over it and not worry about it. But it just
0: doesn't work that way. Well, sometimes when we make statements like, well, I'm just a sensitive person, it dismisses the validity of our experiences where it that it says, well, I shouldn't, I should, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of like that. I respond to things like that. But this feeling of not being listened to or that what is, you're saying isn't important to the other person to feeling like you're not being validated by another person, that is actually a significant thing to feel. And it's, I, I would encourage you not to just brush it off as I'm a sensitive person, but that there's a place within you that perhaps has a need to be affirmed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, I see, I see. So different. To. I see it so differently, though. Well, I tell s- me how you see I it. I
1: see it as I'm being selfish.
0: It comes back to that a lot for you. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, for sure. Are these, is that word something that you've heard? said to you or is that something that comes more internal it's more internal no no people don't call me selfish generally okay and when you hear that voice the telling saying selfish like talk about that how do you experience that what does it sound like where's it coming from so
1: I have always kind of felt like whenever I'm starting to get irritated agitated um that deep down, that's my personal problem. It's a selfishness of some kind that I mm-hmm. if I if I have a lot of peace and I'm in God's will, if I'm not in a lot of peace then I'm not in God's will. So when I start to feel out of a lot of peace, because I want the situation to be different, I feel like I'm not abandoning myself to God's providence, which I need to be better about., mm-hmm. which we do, and that's a truth, but there's a boundary, and I have a hard time distinguishing that.
0: Well, here's an example from Scripture that may come to bear. Was Jesus being selfish when he turned over the tables in the temple?
1: I still I have a hard time with that one too.
0: They just <laughs> is so <someone> unlike Jesus <laughs> well, what do you think he was up to like what he was trying the, to make a point
1: and and what definitely was his trying point? to make a point um. that the money changers were not welcome in his space. This was not
0: a place. It was not appropriate. It was not a time for it. So there are times when to feel a lack of contentment with a situation because things are not appropriate or not a time or not a place can sometimes actually be holy if Christ's example is always holy.
1: Yeah, that one always still stumps me. It was a justified anger, a righteous anger. Yeah, that one still stumps me. That one doesn't so you get. You struggle with that. Oh, idea. I do. Yeah. I certainly do. Yeah.
0: So the question that comes into my heart like, when anytime you feel sort of. Disturbance within yourself, and it has to do with a circumstance, and you automatically go to, I must be being selfish. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's the Lord's voice telling you that?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, I would say there are times where that's true and times that it's untrue. But distinguishing between the two is very difficult.
0: Can you give any example or have any memory of a time when you thought that that was his voice? Yeah, I would say mostly
1: I would say that when it comes to being very respectful and kind in my, in my thoughts and words to my husband.
0: Okay. So, and how did it sound when he would encourage you to not be disrespectful or impatient with your husband. More of a, you need to step back and start pondering
1: what you're doing and and see how that's, that's really not okay.
0: So it encouraged you to step back, rethink, take a look, that kind of thing. Yep. How about when it doesn't seem like it's from him?
1: Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, it was those times, again, when my mother-in-law was living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was more of, I
0: don't want to inflict pain on a person that's had a lot of woundedness in her life. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's a definitely a, a place of fear there, a fear of inflicting yeah, right. wounds. Great
1: mm-hmm. wounds. Yeah, for sure. And oof, yeah, I've been that way definitely with my youngest as well. A lot of fear of inflicting wounds, but it hasn't been helpful in the long run. I don't think it's been very helpful. Mm-hmm.
0: How so? Um. I'd rather not say. <laughs> okay, that's fine, Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Well, since we started with the topic of your mother-in-law and, and kind of recognizing that the memory of that fear and the position that that puts you in to maybe not be actually able to do the things that are your responsibilities because you spent so much time listening or trying to be present I whether or not you are actually listening when all that stuff is going on in your head I can imagine would be rather difficult to to actually be listening but this sense of I need to not wound I need to not injure I need to but then I'm being distracted from things that I do need to do I mean I can see how that would put you in a place of concern how am I going to navigate this again
1: right and and what i'm seeing as you're saying that megan too is that it was then becomes a self-inflicted wound because it's not healthy for me it it, like it just depletes me of my joy Mm -hmm. it depletes me of that peace
0: can you put a name to that wound what would that wound be called that self-inflicted wound
1: Oh, you're really challenging me now. Um, The only thing that really comes to mind is the, you know, personal unworthiness. And it just kind of, what's it called when you just like reinforces, it reinforces my unworthiness Mm. when I'm treating someone as if they're unworthy.
0: That makes sense. No, that, that does make sense. But is telling someone I need to go and attend other things is that treating them as they're on as if they're unworthy? Could be. Yeah, I would take it that way. <laughs> you would take it that way. I would take it that way. Sure. Why do you think you would take it that way?
1: Um, again, back to the sensitivity part. I'm not worthy of their time.
0: That's a particular sensitivity. So let's not generalize it. That's like really that particular sensitivity. I don't feel like people think I'm worthy of their time. Can you recall the first time maybe you ever felt that?
1: Oh gosh, yes. Yeah. It goes way back to childhood, of course.
0: And what what part of childhood? Where in your childhood? Where
1: in my childhood? Oh, um, it was after my parents had divorced, and um, I was wanting my mom's attention, mm-hmm. and she was merely reading a book, mm. but I couldn't get her attention.
0: And what did your little girl heart feel when you see her reading a book?
1: It well, in the memory, it was unworthiness abandonment
0: that feeling like maybe I'm not even as interesting as a book oh yeah for sure and did you when you felt that do you remember like saying anything to yourself other than boy I feel really unnoticed or unworthy of attention was there any sense of and so, like a kind of a... I must not be that important. Probably that was... So it. you yeah. feel like you kind of internalized that idea? Oh, sure. And so do you feel that when you function out of that place, that painful place of not feeling attended to and important... That perhaps there was maybe a vow that was made i know i don't mm-hmm. want to make ever anyone feel this way this feels so bad i don't want anyone else to feel that right I, you know i
1: don't know that i ever consciously made that but i started to live my life that way as a parent for sure to? Mm-hmm. you know we all strive to improve in ways upon like well My parents did this way and I'm going to do it a different way. And we still make our own Mm -hmm. mistakes where our kids will then say, well, I'm going to do it this way and not that way.
0: Yeah. I'm sure of that now. In that moment when your mom was reading the book and you were looking for her attention, in a very vulnerable time, right, your parents had broken up. So there's that sense of maybe there's some feelings of abandonment and who's Mm -hmm. there for me and Mm -hmm. is somebody going to be there for me? Was it true that you weren't valuable, that you weren't lovable?
1: Not at all. Not at all. I can see that now as an adult, but at the time, no. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you ever thought about where Christ was in that moment? Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: This is this has definitely been one of those imaginative prayers that mm-hmm. I've gone back to time and time again to heal the memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there all along.
0: And what was he thinking and feeling? And well, I,
1: I don't know. I just remember when I first realized that, you know, cause I looked around everywhere to see where he was in the moment and he was behind me mm-hmm. and I couldn't see him, but he had his hand on my shoulder Saying, mm-hmm. I'm with you always.
0: Okay, so he was being very present to you.
1: Even though I couldn't see him.
0: Mm-hmm. Loving he you. He wasn't right in front
1: of me, right? hmm
0: So with that memory, that understanding that so much of those feelings, those sort of knee-jerk, I don't want anyone to feel that they're Unattended to or unworthy of my attention, or I don't want anyone to be hurt by me because that pain I don't want them to feel. How could bringing Christ into a moment where that fear rises in you could change that moment for you? Imagine that. Imagine you're in a moment with your mother in law and She's talking, 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 and you're feeling the pressure of, I have other things to do. I really need to separate myself from that situation, but I'm, But the fear rises. Oh, gosh, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want her to feel rejected. I don't want her to feel un, unwanted by me. How can bringing Christ present in that moment affect how you're responding Well, we'll start
1: with what the way I've processed it in the past was I need to be, I need to see her as Christ and okay. listen. I mm-hmm. need to see her as Christ and just listen. And that's where I started. And so then I would get stuck and then I could just feel my <laughs> blood pressure rising as mm-hmm. I, uh, my mind started going to all those things I needed to do.
0: Okay. here's a Here's a question for you then. Sometimes, as much as we should see Christ in others, we can identify the others so much with Christ that we overlook the fact that they aren't behaving like Christ. So would Christ talk and talk and talk to such an extent that you were being kept from duties that are important to your vocation? Without any concern that that was happening. No.
1: Yeah, actually, I'm kind of called to mind to the Martha and Mary scene with G- Jesus as you're saying that.
0: What is coming to mind with that?
1: Um, the kind of, I, I mean, I'm feeling like I was a little bit more Martha in that situation. Like, oh, I've got all this stuff to do. And not as much Mary. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of where I go with that. See, I can, Oh, right. I, I am the world's greatest at making myself the bad guy. So good at it. So good.
0: Are you saying that in a way that you are proud of that? Or are you struggling with that? How, no, how is that? How I'm do you, you feel when you say that? You're frustrated. Yeah, okay.
1: definitely frustrated.
0: Because uh-huh. that's, definitely been something I've done you feel like that's a all of my adult life and what are you trying to achieve by that
1: I think it just reinforces um, my unworthiness wound it reinforces that over and over Mm -hmm. again so I've been collecting evidence for you know 50 Uh. years about my unworthiness yeah definitely been doing that Still collecting it for sure.
0: You know what that sounds like? Yeah. They call the enemy the accuser. Mm. That's so true. And that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He's constantly trying to collect evidence against us to show us that God doesn't love us, that He's not there for us, that He lies for He lies to us. Like that's this goes right back to the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah, but how do you stop it? You have an advocate. Yeah. Who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit. So when you're in that place where the accusations fly and the definition of you as the bad guy starts rising, invite the Holy Spirit in to fight for you.
1: To speak truth. We'll say those words specifically to speak truth to me because it gets so convoluted. I'm too much in my head.
0: Yes. Truth. But I actually want to speak the words again to fight for you. Because, you know, as you, as I think about that image of you as a little girl, her parents have broken up and mom is detached, reading a book. Who's fighting for you? I know, I know. There's a beautiful phrase that we say in the, I believe it's in Vespers, there is no one that fights for us but you, O Lord. He is our defender. I'm going to get the tissue. Okay. And just to say that that is so common in spiritual direction, it's totally cool and not uncomfortable. And it's just, that's, that's where the Lord speaks to the heart. Yeah. I've always, I've always known that when the tears start to come, it's
1: one of the ways the Lord is telling me, ah, Mm -hmm. there's something there. Listen,
0: pay attention. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to be a good time to stop because Pam needs to process. And, <laughs> it is, absolutely. But uh, what I do want to say is this, as you've listened, the topic starts in a place sometimes and it doesn't always end there, but there's so many things about what happened in our day-to-day lives that bring to bear some things that the Lord still needs to teach us and places we need to grow and and as it relates to this situation with your mother-in-law coming to visit you, perhaps this idea of, you're not alone. Yes, there'll be difficult things about it, and but you don't have to figure it out all on your own. You don't have to deal with the difficult emotions all on your own.
1: And that's part of the boundaries, right?
0: Yeah, and he will help you find those boundaries and define them and to, to discern when to speak and when to be quiet. You don't have to put that burden all on yourself. Yeah. It's
1: the, you know, just being careful of depletion, just being so depleted emotionally.
0: Yeah. But the Lord, he wants you to have fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And he has a way of filling empty spaces and places where you feel like you're depleted with abundance. He takes empty jars and fills them with new wine. Amen. All right. So the place that we always end in spiritual direction is with prayer again. And what I always like to do is invite the directee to begin the prayer Okay. and just speak to the Lord from your heart, whatever you, is on your heart right now, and then and then I'll just finish when you seem to be done. Okay. In the name of the Father, Father and the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence with Megan and I here in this room today. I thank you for the insights that she's helped to uncover and dig deep. And I just pray for the grace to to move forward and see things with the eyes of your love and the eyes of your truth in all circumstances in my life, but especially with loving my mother-in-law well and loving my family well.
0: I we thank you so much for your presence during this time that we, we felt. And I continue to ask you to be with Pam as she moves forward in this state of life that she's in, in this place where you're calling her to service. I pray that not only would it be a place where she could serve others well, but that she comes to know more and more deeply how much you love her and how much you truly want to draw her close to you in every part of who she is, every part of her that's so beautiful in your sight that you have created and that you love. You love all those sensitive parts of her but you do not want those sensitive parts to be taken advantage of and abused by the enemy. So I implore your protection upon her, Lord, as she moves forward, that she will live in the freedom of your love and the peace that only you can bring. And I thank you. I thank you for all the good that you're going to bring about through this situation, because I know that Pam's heart is so faithful and desires so much to love and serve you well. And I know how pleasing that is to you and that you want to give her all the grace she needs. So we thank you and we glorify you as we pray. Glory be to the Father and and to the Son and and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it it was was in the the beginning, beginning, is is now and ever shall be, world world without end. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we thank you for listening in today and, and for being present to us and but pray that uh, if this experience of listening to spiritual direction has moved in your heart, a place where you think that you could benefit from it, uh, don't ignore that. Listen to that and, and pray about it and ask if the Lord is, is calling you to that. And if so, you know, seek out potentially to, to find uh, a spiritual director. And uh, the Lord wants us to love each other and grow and faith together as a body, and uh, spiritual direction is one way that uh, he works. And so, if you feel called to it, I will pray that uh, he brings someone to you in order to to be his eyes and his voice. So, thank you for listening, and uh, hope until next time you'll remain united to prayer with us in prayer with us. God bless.